And uh, tonight we're going to be getting deeper into faith. As we know, we're busy with the series, How Faith Works. This morning, we spoke about how there are things that we need to add to our faith. That we need to add to our faith virtue. We need to add to our faith knowledge. We need to add to our faith temperance, patience. We need to add godliness. We need to add love. So there's things that we need to add to our faith. But I want to show you, that's great. Now we know what works we must have in faith. But let me show you a practical example straight from the Scriptures of how we can apply our faith. In other words, how we can put our faith in action. So these are works of faith. So we add these things to our faith, what we spoke about this morning. But tonight I'm going to show you how we can put action to our faith. Meaning we can do something with our faith. So we're going to get straight into it. Let's go to Mark chapter number 5 verse 25. Mark chapter number 5 verse 25. I'm going to read the whole verse and then we're going to break it down. So the Bible says that there was a certain woman. I love it when it says a certain someone. Because I'm certain that there are certain someones here tonight. And if one thing we can be sure of, if God can do it for them, He can do it for us. We have the Scriptures as a model for what God can do. That's not all He can do, but it sure is something that He has done before. And if He has done it before for somebody, a certain somebody, then the certain somebody's here tonight can receive the same thing in their life. So a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had been to many doctors. She had tried many things in herself. And she had spent all that she had and was no better. She had no money left. She had been to all the doctors. They could not help her. She had no money left. And, and the Bible says she had, she had got no better, but rather she had grown worse. Meaning that despite all the effort that she's put in, she's now in a worse condition, a worse situation than she was before. But now, she's on her way back home to die. Because this is what the Bible is saying. She had, she had exhausted all her resources. She had no money left. She had seen all the doctors. She had not gotten better. She had in fact gotten worse. So for all intents and purposes, she was on her way to die. There was no hope. But then... When she heard about Jesus... When she heard about Jesus... Then she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. Next verse. For she said... If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 9 verse 20. And we'll come back here. Matthew 9 verse 20. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years 
came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, she said it to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Let's go back to Mark 5 verse 27. Uh, 28. If only she said, but the Matthew says to herself. So something happened. She was, you can think of it this way. Imagine the woman walking on her way back home to die. But then she starts to hear something. She starts to hear that there's now a commotion. Something is happening over there. And when she heard, she thought there must be someone special that is here. Maybe it's a Roman emperor. Maybe it's royalty. Maybe it's someone important. A politician. So she maybe asked somebody, who is here? And that person maybe said, it's Jesus. It's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. And maybe in that moment, she suddenly remembered the scriptures that she had heard. The verses that Isaiah prophesied. What David said in the Psalms about the Messiah. Because understand that the Jewish people at the time, they knew the scriptures very well. Sometimes for Christians to know the word, it's, it's very, it takes a lot of effort. But for them, they knew the scriptures very well. So she would know if that's what he's saying. If he's saying the Messiah is here, she would know exactly what that meant. But she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately, so she touched him because she said to herself, if I touch him, I'll be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power <laughs> virtue King James Version says virtue to himself that virtue power had gone out of him he turned around in the crowd and said who touched my clothes now, at this point, if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, man, something's wrong. What do you mean who touched your clothes? And they said that. They said exactly that. Next verse. <laughs> but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? He's in a crowd. Imagine, I, I don't know, we can't maybe conceptualize crowds anymore because it's been a while. But if you've been in a crowd, maybe you've been to watch a rugby game and the game is over and you're walking out of the stadium. There's no, everyone is touching everyone. At that point, it's just an, one organism of people. So the disciples are saying, Jesus, what do you mean? Everyone is touching you. How can you say who touched me? But something was different about the touch that the woman had. What? She placed a demand. She placed a demand. She said within herself, 
if I would just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. There was a demand that was placed on him. That was accessible to everyone else who was in that place thronging him. Everyone else who was there thronging him, the multitude that was touching him, they heard the same message she heard. But they did nothing with it. So he said, who touched me? Then next verse. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now understand that this woman with the issue of blood, her condition in in the times When somebody had a sickness like this, when somebody had a condition like this, they didn't know if it was contagious or not. So they would make those people not be allowed in public. She was not allowed to be in public, far less in a multitude of people with Jesus. So even in being there, she was breaking the law. So there's other people around there that have the same opportunity. Maybe some of them were sick. They're hearing the same message. They're touching the same Jesus. They even legally allowed to be there, but they didn't get healed. She got healed. Why? What was different about this woman that caused her to receive her healing? But the Bible says the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell before him and told him the whole truth meaning that she told him that this is what her condition has been. She has had this sickness for 12 years. She's been to every doctor. She's exhausted her resources. She has no more money. And that's what she's done. Next verse. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. It doesn't say the garment that you touched It doesn't even say, I have made you well. He says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Okay, so we need to understand some things. The difference between this woman and everyone else who was there. The reason she received her healing and others didn't. The reason that she heard a message but didn't leave an adhering is that she took action. We must be believers that take action. I don't want to be a person that hears about these things but never experiences it. I can't tell you how strongly this has been on my heart. That for too long we have people that know too much but do too little. This is that burden that I have in my heart. I don't know why. But it's because the Bible tells us that there's so much more than what we experience. When lost, did you minister to somebody? When lost, did you take somebody by the hand and pray, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to this one, that you would show them your presence, that you would show them your love, that you would show them an encounter, the same encounter that I had. Let them have it now. That's the exciting life we call to live as Christians. 
Not a boring life where we come to church on Sunday, we hear these great things. We get inspired, but we make no change. It's the scariest thing for me to be somebody who knows things but doesn't do anything with it. I think I've shared it before. You speak to people and they have all these problems and they come to you and they tell you their problems. And you might think of some solutions. So you say, oh, try this, maybe try that. Oh yeah, I know. I know I should do this and I know I should probably do that. And I know that this is happening because I didn't do this or I did do that. But then why is it happening? You know, so why don't you do it? Sorry, I'm getting a bit carried away with that. But there was something different and there's many examples in Scripture of people that took what was said and applied it. Moses could have had an encounter with the burning bush and, and God says, Tell, go and free my people and he could have just left it at that and had that encounter. He could have been disobedient in that moment. He could have still said, wow, I had an encounter with God. I met, I am that I am. But he didn't leave it at that. Abraham didn't leave it at a promise from God. He put that promise to work by going to a place that God will show him. He packed up his stuff and he just went by faith. I mean, I don't have to go through it, but you can read the whole of Hebrews 11. And you can see how the Bible says, and it was counted to him, this was his faith. Because of his faith, he did this. There are people that, that in the Bible that have met, taken action with what they believe. And this woman was one of them. She didn't just want to know and hear the great things. She had a choice that she could make. In that moment, she had a choice. When she heard about Jesus, the Bible says she heard about Jesus at that moment. She had a choice that she could make. She could either go this way and go to her house and die. Or she could say, I'm going to press through. I'm going to push through. I'm going to go into this crowd. I'm going to fight my way through. I know that I'm, if I can just touch his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his clothes, I don't even have to touch him. I just need something and it will make me whole. It will make me well. And she didn't just leave it there. She didn't leave it as a good thought that would be great. She went and did what she said she was going to do. We need to go and do what we say we're going to do. So she made a choice. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. But the violent will take it by force. She Understand a crowd. Because we read the scriptures, but we don't really actually understand it. A crowd is not just like 10 people in a big room. They were walking down streets and there was not enough space to be able to contain them as they were walking. That's how many people were flocking to Jesus. It wasn't like she could just, okay, I'm just going to come in here now and just touch a little and then, yeah, shop. She had to fight her way through the crowd with determination. 
that she she had a goal and she had set a goal she had set a purpose in her heart that she was going to do this no matter what she could have got caught and stoned for being in public she could have anything could have happened but what happened was worth the risk So the Bible says that the kingdom of, of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That must be our attitude when it comes to the things that have been promised. Don't allow the devil to rob you of your blessing, to rob you of your healing, simply by causing you to be stagnant and not do anything. He doesn't have that much power. We give him the power that he has by choosing to do nothing. So this is what happened with that woman, but there's a few things that we can get to from the scripture that, that really show what it means to put your faith to action. The first thing that we see from the scripture is that the woman came to the end of herself. She came to the end of herself. Let's go back to verse 25. You know what the problem of today is? That if this miracle had happened today, people would have framed that robe. They would have put it maybe in a, in a museum somewhere. This is, the, this is the garment that the woman touched and got healed. This is the very hem that she touched. Or maybe they would cut it up and distribute it as prayer cloths or something. But we missed the point. It had nothing to do with the garments. In fact, Jesus himself wasn't even complicit in this miracle. He still had to ask what happened. Who touched me? It had everything to do with what he said to her. What caused the miracle? He explained to everyone there and to her what caused the miracle. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. It was her faith that we need to look at. It was her faith that caused her situation to go from one thing to another thing in an instant. We read in Matthew 9, it says, immediately. It was instantaneously. It wasn't she touched him and then went home and then three days later she was fine. Immediately, the fountain of her blood dried up in that instant. So the first thing we need to know is that she came to the end of herself. There was no more that she could do with the situation. She had exhausted her resources. She had spent all her money and she had been to every doctor. And in fact, they had just made things worse. Now, of course, we understand that the medical professions is important. We go to doctors, that's great. But when the doctors don't have the solutions, we know the one who does. When the doctors don't have the solution, we know the one who does. So the first thing is she came to the end of herself. There was no more resources. There was nothing more that she could do. She had, she had gone to the doctor. She had done everything in her own strength to try and be made well. The truth is no doctor can heal you. 
No doctor can heal you. In fact, no doctor will even say or claim that they can heal you. There is only one who heals. His name is God. Only God can heal. So the doctor can apply knowledge and medicine and, and natural things to the condition and you can get better, of course. But only God can heal. Amen. Have your seats. Have your seats. So she had been to all these doctors. She had spent all her money. And in, for all intents and purposes, I said she's been sent home to die. She got the prognosis. There's nothing more we can do for you. Just go home and die. The truth is that it's difficult for us as people to receive from an omnipotent God until we've come to the end of ourselves. Because we always try to solve our problems. We always try to make a solution to do something in our own strength. It's only when we come to the end of ourselves it becomes easy to come to God. But that's something that we can choose to do. We can choose to come to the end of ourselves and not trust in our own strength, but to trust and rely on Him. So that's what this woman did. She, she, she had tried everything, but it led to dead-end streets. There was nothing happening. Nothing was changing. In fact, she had become worse. But then she came to the end of herself. But that is exactly the message of salvation. Death to self. The Bible says, Behold, all things have been made new. The old has passed away. What is the old? It's the old self. I am no longer the person I was before I got saved. That person is dead. It's like Kenneth Hagin said the story, told the story of how he bumped into a friend of him from, his from, from school. And the friend was saying, Oh, do you remember when we did this? And Kenneth Hagin said, I, I really don't remember that. Oh, but do you remember when we did this or when we did that? And he said, No, I really, I really don't remember that. And then he said, you know what, in fact, I know why. It's because that person is dead. That person no longer exists. He is dead. That is not me. I have been made new. Behold, all things have been made new. So that is the premise of salvation is death to self. How many of you know that men, man and woman, man cannot produce there is many things that we cannot produce. We cannot produce happiness. We cannot produce healing. We cannot produce even faith. I can't produce faith. Faith must come. It must come by hearing. I can't produce my faith. I can grow my faith by applying things. But I can't make myself have faith. I can increase my faith. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. But the faith that I have, the Bible says, Jesus said, and to each one has been given a set measure of faith. Faith has been given. We can build on it or we can not use it. Or we can have no faith. But the faith in itself, I can't have faith in my own strength. I can't make myself have faith. I can't make myself be healed. I can't make myself be blessed by God. There are certain things that require God's involvement for them to take place in my life. 
The Bible says in John 12 verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. There must be a death to self. There must be a dying that takes place for us to be productive, for us to be fruitful. When there is death to self, there is fruitfulness. When this woman with the issue of blood died to herself, something happened and changed in her life. When she came to the end of herself, that is where she came to God. So what happens when I am in charge? When self is not dead, when there's a lot of self in my life. What happens when there's a lot of self? Let's go to John 3 verse 27. When I am in charge and I rule in my life, it causes a lonely situation to take place. I just live for myself. Have you ever met a selfish person? They're the most alone people that you can meet. All they care about is themselves. Nobody wants to be with them because they're self-centered. You'll never meet a person in more despair. You'll never meet a person in more grief, more prone to depression, more prone to, to, to anxiety than a person who is self-centered, a person whose self is alive. When your self has died, then it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives through me. I hope this is not too much. But the Bible says, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So me and my own strength, I cannot cause anything to take place unless it has been given from heaven. So the only things that I can cause to take place or happen is the things that have been given from heaven. That's what I can receive. That is the key of salvation, is surrendering our wills to God. Surrendering ourselves to God. Have you ever thought, the Bible says that we are made in His image. But have you ever looked in a mirror and thought, but I'm a little bit different to everyone else, so what is this now? I mean, if Kalela looks in the mirror and I look in the mirror, we don't see the same thing. <laughs> so what does it mean that the Bible says in, in Genesis 1.27 that He made us in, our, in His image? What does it mean? The image is the spirit that we carry. The image that we have is what is inside of us. It is the spirit that we carry. That is the image that we have been made in. That is the image of God. And we are born with a freedom to choose. We are born with a moral free will, if I can say. And we know this. This is very foundational. But it's important to understand this for knowing the importance of coming to the end of self. Because if we don't come to the end of self, we will still be stuck in relying on ourselves. And we'll only get the same results we've always got with relying on ourselves. So God never created, He's not a puppet master that pulls the strings and says, okay, now you must serve me or you must love me or you must do this. No, He created us with a choice. 
Just like the woman had a choice. Every one of us has a choice. We can choose to lay our life down, our self-will down, to put ourself lost, to die like the grain of wheat that falls to the ground, to die and there be productive and produce much fruit because that's ultimately where we can walk in the purpose of God. Or we can choose to by our own stubbornness walk in our own will and do our own thing, but then we do it by ourselves. If we do it by ourselves, then we can only blame ourselves for the results. God has given every one of us the authority over our mind, over our spirit, over our entire being. He's given us the authority. There's nobody else to blame but me for my decisions, for what I do with my life. The choices I make. And the Bible is full of choices that had consequences. There's mercy and there's grace, but there's consequence. So I have consequences to my choices, right? So we understand that there is this dynamic that I have been created with the choice to choose. Do I serve God or do I serve myself? Do I place my will above God or do I, uh, do I serve God and lay myself down? Do I die to myself or is myself being fed and alive? It's one or the other. Let's go to Galatians 2 verse 20. That was, so from the moment that Adam fell until the moment that Jesus came as the second Adam, the last Adam, from that moment there was a, as God wanted to restore that, 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 how do I say it? God wanted to, that's the premise of salvation, is that we can be able to lay our life down and return to the relationship that He intended for us from the beginning. And not to serve self-centered and ambition in our own will, but to lay our life down to serve Him. So the Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Let's go back to John 12 verse 24. So we can say that the primary purpose of God sending His Son Jesus was to get, get man off the throne of his own heart. Was to get us off the throne of our own hearts. Where we had placed ourselves as, you know, I'm in charge. I have, it's me, me, me. I is ruling in my life. So most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So if it doesn't die, it remains alone. If self is ruling, if it's not dead inside, you remain alone. But when it dies, when yourself dies, that is where multiplication and fruitfulness takes place. If it dies, it brings forth fruit. If it dies, it resurrects. You know that there must be a death before this resurrection. <laughs> so for yourself to come forth in the fullness of what God intended for you to be, there must be a death to self. 
For you to be resurrected into the purpose and calling of God, there must be a death to yourself for that resurrection to take place. Maybe that went over your head. I don't know. (laughs) But the woman with the issue of blood came to the end of herself. She was dead to herself. There was nothing more that she could do. She had exhausted all her resources. She had done everything. She had made every effort to get well in the natural. Now she has come to the end of herself. It was the only way for her to get her healing now. There was nothing else. All, there was no plan B. There was no second option. There was no, if this doesn't work, then I've at least got that. It was all or nothing at that point. She was either going to die or she was going to press through and touch his garment. It was all or nothing. It's only when we come to the end of ourselves and we, that we begin to position ourselves spiritually to receive from God. Only when we come to the end of the self. But the, the choice is that we have a choice to make. We can choose to be like the woman who allows the circumstance to dictate that she comes to the end. Sometimes if we don't make the choice, then circumstances force us into the situation. You know, when you've lost everything, there's nothing else for you to do. You turn to God and He causes breakthrough. How much better would it be if you haven't lost everything? But you still make a decision to die to self. And serve God. And put Him first. Surrender your will to His will. When you still have stuff. How much better would that be? It's like when Jesus said to the rich young ruler. He says, go and sell these possessions and then follow me. It was difficult for him. Why? Because his heart was in those things. There was no death to self. If there was death to self, I bet you Jesus wouldn't have even required that. Why? Because Jesus never asked anyone else to do that. It wasn't like everyone who followed Jesus had to sell all his possessions, lay down all his things. What? Jesus saw something in the ruler's heart that this person would not give himself fully to Jesus. There was something that he served something else more than he would serve Jesus, more than he would serve God. So he said, sell those things that you place above me. Sell those things that have a place in your heart that will be taken from me if you serve me. But it was difficult for him. And the Bible says that he wept and even says that Jesus wept because it was uh, uh, was a sad situation. Because he loved his possessions and his self was not dead. There was too much self in him. So it's when we come to the end of ourselves that we learn to rely completely and lean completely on God. To completely depend on God. It's time for us to let ourselves die. Amen. Then the next thing that happened with this woman is she heard a message. The Bible says, and when she had heard of Jesus. Now, again, I want you to picture this woman again because we hear this story and we know the story so well, but think about it in practical terms. The woman has now maybe been diagnosed. She had an issue of blood. Maybe it was something, today's terms, maybe something of cancer. That she has a terminal sickness. So she's been diagnosed by the doctors. They've tried everything. She's only gotten worse. So imagine the situation. Maybe she's walking home. Because how would she have heard if she wasn't, if she was in home dying? Maybe she was on the way back from the last doctor that she could visit. 
Maybe she had just spent her last sense visiting a doctor or trying to get a solution or something. But she must have been moving somewhere because she wasn't alone. She had to have heard something. If she had to have heard, someone had to have said something or she had to have been close by. So imagine the situation. She's walking now. She's walking past. And, uh, you know, imagine the pain that she must have been in. Imagine the distress and discomfort she must have been in. She had been told that there's nothing else we can do rather just go home and die. But like I said, maybe she caught somebody and, you know, she heard a commotion and she was asking what's happening. What is this commotion that's taking place? What's going on over there? Somebody maybe told her this is what's happening and she heard the message. So she heard about Jesus. What did she hear about Jesus? She heard the Word. Now, this is important. Jesus is the Word. She heard the Word and she heard the living Word. She didn't just hear the scriptures that she knew. She already knew that. But now she heard that these things were being fulfilled. There was life in the Word. She heard the life. There was something more than just hearing, oh well, because she knew there was a Messiah coming. She knew what the prophets had prophesied. In fact, all of the Jews knew those things. They knew that there was one who was coming. They still think he's coming, the Jews. So she heard this message. And when she heard it, she began to press through the crowd. At the moment that she heard it, she, she, she made that decision. The Bible says that she, she said within herself. She purposed within herself. She, she made a decision and she said to herself, if I can only do this. Now, I'm quite sure that if she had said anything, it would have happened. If she said, if I can just touch his hand, if I can just touch his foot, touch his sandal, if I can just, whatever it is. Why? Because she made a decision. She had heard something and it triggered something within her that caused her to violently, aggressively, passionately seek something. She took action with what she had heard. So she began to, maybe she heard these things that, that this is Jesus. So imagine her pressing through the crowd. She wants to get closer. She wants to hear what is happening. And maybe she gets close enough to begin to hear. And she hears Jesus speaking. And she hears Jesus as the one who the, who the Pharisees said, with what authority does this one speak? That even the demons are subject to Him. Maybe she heard the Jesus that opened up the Scriptures and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Because He has anointed me 
to preach the gospel, to proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind. Maybe she heard this Jesus. And when she heard something stirred up inside of her, she was hearing the message. Maybe when she heard, she was reminded about what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says, but he, would, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Next verse. And by His stripes, we are healed. Maybe when she heard Jesus, she was reminded of the promises. That by His stripes, we were healed. That He removes our afflictions. Or maybe she was reminded of another verse. Maybe she was reminded of Psalm 103 verse 1. That says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Next verse. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all His benefits. There are benefits of God that we must not forget. He forgives our iniquities. He heals your diseases. Maybe she remembered that this is the Jesus that this was spoken about. I have a disease and He is the one who heals all diseases. I have a sickness and by His stripes my sickness is healed. So she begins to hear these things and she's reminded of the Word. And maybe she's reminded of another verse. In Malachi 4 verse 2. But to you who fear me, my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. Now hold on. The word wings there. The word wings there in this verse, in the Hebrew. It is describing, of course, wings, but it is also describing, you know, on a, on a prayer shawl, a Jewish prayer shawl, you have those tussles at the end. That's what this is describing. With healing in his tussles. With healing in his garments. Maybe she was reminded of this verse. As she was hearing Jesus preaching, she was reminded of these scriptures. And as she's reminded of the scriptures, her faith is coming. And it's coming by hearing because she's hearing the Word. But she's not just hearing a dead letter. She's hearing the living Word. This is not just the prophecies. This is not just the scrolls. This is the living embodiment of the Word. He is here right now and He is doing the things that He said He would do. That is what she's hearing. So she has to come to the end of herself. And then she hears a message. And the message that she hears is that she can be healed. The message that she hears is that her situation can change. She doesn't have to be content with how things are. We don't have to be content with how things are. But it's going to require some passion. It's going to require some violence. 
it's going to require some persistence, some determination, some pressing through. It's going to require you to press through and to fight and to take action and to claim that which is yours. Have your seats, have your seats. So she heard a message. It's not an exaggeration to say that this woman had to have gotten violent. There's no exaggeration there. She would have had to get violent to get through the crowd. Remember, the crowd is not going to one direction. The crowd is centering around one person. If you've ever seen, I don't know, I think there was a stampede recently in, in South Korea where, they, where a few people died um, during a, uh, they were going to a party for Halloween. But if you've ever seen that type of crowd, that's a crowd that's going in one, pla- in one direction. That's not a crowd that's centering around people, around a person. If you were in that crowd trying to get to the front, it would be impossible. Because everyone's pushing to that direction. But now in this situation, the front is not the front of a line. The front is a destination. It's a person in the middle. So for the woman to get to the person in the middle, for the woman to get to Jesus, you best believe she was being violent. She was probably throwing some elbows. And remember, she was sick. She was in a weakened condition. She had been sick for 12 years like this. She had been told to go home and die. But despite her condition, she was fighting violently, aggressively, with passion. Because she heard something that didn't just sit as hearing. It caused action to take place. I'm tired of hearing things and not action taking place. I don't want to be somebody who hears something but doesn't take action. I want to be somebody that takes action. She had begun to lock on on the truth. She had an opportunity to have an encounter with the living truth, the living word, the personification of the word was there in her presence and she had this opportunity. Everyone else had the same opportunity, but something was different about her. She took action. No matter how, you know, she, she set her sights and she was not going to let go. Have you ever heard of a death grip? You know, there's a crocodile death grip, but I'm talking about like, if you're a lifeguard and, and you're going to save somebody, they, that person has a death grip because they are so at the point of death. They've come to the, they have nothing else. They will grab onto anything. You read stories of mothers killing their children in the water because they want to survive. So they push themselves up on their children. Because it's a survival instinct. It's, 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 you have self-preservation kicks in. But the same thing is describing a death grip. That person who's about to die, they will grab you with such force and such, such violence that they will, there's nothing you can do to get them off you. That's why in lifeguarding, you taught many times if a person is not compliant, you knock that person out. I'm serious. They teach you this. You knock that person out and then you rescue them. because of that reality of that situation. But in this case, the woman had a death grip on Jesus. There was no other option for her. She had locked her sights on Jesus. 
and nothing was going to stop her from getting there. No demon in hell was going to stop that woman from getting to Jesus. Not one of the people in the crowd was going to stop that woman from getting to Jesus. Jesus' whole entourage didn't even know she had touched him. The disciples didn't have a clue. They were the ones around him. But she fought through the whole crowd to touch him with violence, with force. Let's go to Matthew 14 verse 30. She didn't have little faith. She didn't get distracted by circumstances. Peter did. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, this is Peter while he's standing on the water. He was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Next verse. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? This woman with the issue of blood had no doubt in her. She didn't look, she did not take her eyes off her goal. Because if she did, she could have happened the same as Peter. Maybe she could have looked and saw a Roman soldier there and thought, Ish, I'm going to die. Or maybe she could have looked and saw, and saw, he's so far away, I'll never make it through. She didn't allow any of that. She kept her eyes on Jesus. And she pushed through with violence, with force. The focus must be the message, not the affliction. The focus is not on the affliction. The focus must be on the message. So what is the message? The message was that there was confirmation of the word that was being preached. Wherever Jesus went, He didn't just preach. There was miracles that took place wherever He went. There was confirmation of the word. There was confirmation of the message. It meant that the woman was no longer thinking about her situation. She was thinking about the message that was being preached. The truth that was being offered. That healing is her portion. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. This is so important. The Bible says that this is the purpose that the Son of God was manifest. Past tense. That He might destroy the works of the devil. How many of you know that this has been done? The works of the devil have been destroyed. In fact, not only that, the Bible says that Jesus made a public spectacle of death, hell and the grave. It means that He paraded them through the city. He took them through the city in chains and said, these are the ones. This is sin. This is the price of sin. This is death. This is what I have conquered. I have destroyed the works of the devil. That means every curse. That means every bondage. That means every sickness. That means every affliction. Every infirmity has been dealt with already. 
the price has been paid. That is what the woman realized. That the word is being preached, but not just the word is being preached. The word is being fulfilled right there. Have your seats, have your seats. So the works of the devil have been destroyed. That is the purpose that Jesus came for. He came for that purpose to destroy the works of the devil. It has been completed. The price has been paid. So she received this message that Jesus was not here for fun. He was here with a purpose. He had already revealed that purpose. He opened the scrolls. He told everyone, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to do these things. That is why I'm here. That is the message that she heard. The work has been done. It's the same message for us. The work has been done. The price has been paid. I better hurry. We're running out of time. <laughs> but not only that, the woman heard the message, but then she didn't just leave it there. There was a lot of people that heard the message that day as well. She didn't want to just leave it at hearing this great message. It was a great message. Let me tell you, whatever Jesus said that day was a great message. Far greater than any sermon you've ever heard. If you could hear Jesus himself, I promise you, it was far greater than any sermon you have heard. But she was not content to just leave it at a great message. It was not something for her to go home and tell her family, wow, what a great message at church today. Wow, what a great service we had today. Wow, the presence of God was so strong during praise and worship. And man, that was just a really good message or really good service. And you know, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And then leave it at that. She was not content with that. She was not content to say that was a great message. She needed more than just a great message. She needed to take action. She heard a message, but she was not content to remain in the same condition she was in. It is important for us to not be content with the condition that we are in presently. There must be something that needs to be done. There must be action taken for us to move from our present condition into the promises that we have received. Whatever it is, healing, deliverance, breakthrough, whatever it is, there must be a change of condition. But it requires action. She said to herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. This can be called the great transition. Because she transitioned from what she knew and what she had as knowledge and theory into practice. It's like you can go to university and learn how to build engines. But no engines are going to be built just because you know how to build them. There must be action taken. She knew and had this knowledge now. But she applied that knowledge. She put it into action. There was a transition that took place. From hearing a word to actually putting it into action. I'm now going to go and do something. Faith requires action. Let me read one more scripture and then I want to pray for some people. If we have time, we have time. Faith requires action. 
Let's go to Romans 4 verse 18. It says, this is talking about Abraham, who contrary to hope in hope believed, talking about his faith, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Next verse. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb who was about 90 years old. He did not waver. Let's put it in the King James Version. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. And being fully persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded. He wasn't just, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to read this and then I want to pray for some people. <laughs> He was fully persuaded at a hundred years old with a 90 year old wife. I don't know how, like if you're married, you maybe understand that that's not really a good dynamic. I don't know how else to say it, but things aren't working the way they should for one. Number two, when you're 90, I don't know what you look like. There's more, but despite that, Despite being a hundred years old and the promise being received. Now listen, the promise was received many, many years before. And he had never seen any of it. He had no children. In other words, the promise was not fulfilled. <laughs> but the Bible says he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. The Bible says, and God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could even ask, think, or even imagine. He is well able to perform that which He has promised. The work He has begun in us, He is well able to complete it. That is the God that we serve. But it's time for us to die to self, to come to the end of ourselves to take action when we hear a message, to not just sit and think that's great, but to put it to practice. Take action with violence. When was the last time you did something with violence for the kingdom of God? When was the last time you saw someone tormented by a sickness, tormented by affliction, and you violently combated that, that other kingdom, you took out in that other kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and you took charge, and you violently removed that thing. It's time for us to take some action, amen.